we, we both speak the same language. It's funny sharing. It's fun sharing an office with this guy. It's dangerous that we share an office, is what people have told us. We have fun, though. Well, good morning. Love seeing you all here. Glad you all are here. If you would please grab your notes. My title today um, is a little different. I'm going to move this or else I might body slam it while I'm preaching. My title today is Skinny Jeans and Toupees. Skinny Jeans and Toupees. Let me just take a quick moment as the youth pastor to brag. Did they not do an amazing job this morning leading us in worship? Those are your young people. They worked hard. Uh, they just, they do an awesome job week in and week out over in youth on Wednesday nights. And uh, very proud of them today for that. But let's talk about skinny jeans and toupees for a little bit. If you will, please grab your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at the first four verses. If you do not have a Bible, have no fear. It'll be on the screens for you. You can follow along. Here's what 1 Peter chapter 5 says. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who, is all, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So if you would please think of me today as an elder. Elder to elder, we're going to talk today, okay? I know I have a man bun on my head, um, which disqualifies me from being an elder, I know, but just go with me today. When I was younger, there were three things that I wanted to be when I grew up, and I made it known. I was adamant. If I had to do anything in life, it was going to be these three things or nothing. The first one on my list made my parents proud. I told them, I said, listen, when I grow up, I want to be a police officer. My mom was not too thrilled. My dad, you know, I thought a boy, you know, she, he was excited. And then my sisters, their concern was, why would we give him a loaded firearm? <laughs> they were right to be concerned. Um, but that one didn't pan out. So I, I knew I had a backup plan. I knew that if for some reason I could not become a police officer, the second thing that I wanted to do when I grew up was surefire. I knew I could do this job. And the second thing I wanted to be was a monster. Now, I was five, okay? Cut me some slack, but I wanted to be a monster. My parents didn't know how to handle that one. My dad kind of, well, maybe the cop thing could work, you know? Um, I wanted to be a monster. I thought they were cool. I thought they were big, um, which I was neither. So I thought, that would be great. When I grow up, I'm going to be a monster. Praise God that didn't happen. Um, so the third thing on my list, and I thought, you know what, if all else fails, if I can't become a police officer, if I can't become a monster, this is my last hope for growing up. 
I wanted to be a Walmart employee. Now, if you work at Walmart, I'm not knocking you. There's some days I still wish I worked at Walmart. Um, you get the cool smiley stickers, and I think it's awesome. But that was my plan. I told my mom, I, I'm going to be the greeter at Walmart. That is me. That is my job. Because growing up, we always shopped at Walmart. When you have four kids, you shop at Walmart to save some money. And so we would shop at Walmart, and I would go with my dad. And every time we walked in the door, every time, there was that person sitting there. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to Walmart. And they'd hand you the sticker, and I just thought, I will be you one day. Your job is awesome. Praise the Lord, I did not become a Walmart employee. Um, that didn't work out. But now I'm in this interesting point in my life where I didn't become a police officer, I didn't become a monster, and I didn't become a Walmart employee. But what God did make me is a husband, a brother, a son, a friend. My wife and I, uh, we have just recently finished um, and are licensed foster parents in the state of Ohio now. So we're going to begin fostering children again. We're now foster parents. We've also begun the extremely long road of adoption. So we will one day be actual parents. I'm a youth pastor to over 50 students. I'm an associate pastor. I wear a lot of hats. I have a lot of jobs. To a lot of people, I'm considered an elder. And I look at that, and for me, it's, it's almost funny to see the kid who came from Walmart employee to consider an elder by some people. My wife, the other day, we were talking about birthdays, and uh, I'll be turning 24 this year. And she said, you realize that next year we're turning 25. I feel old. <laughs> I said, sweetie, we're not even in our mid-20s. What do you mean old? I just feel old. 25, wow. And it's funny because sometimes we feel old at our age. 6.30 rolls around. I'm going, hey, you ready for bed? I'm ready. Wow, let's go to bed, you know? I wake up in the morning. It's a little cold. I'm like, ooh, it's going to be one of those days. It's hilarious that to some people, I'm an elder. People look to me for guidance. That's scary. People look to me for wisdom. People look to me for advice. I'm considered an elder to a lot of people. So I began to think about this idea. An elder. In 1 Peter, we saw it talked about being the type of elder that's willing, that's able, that's eager. The type of elders that will encourage people, young people, and I began to think, what kind of church are we? Are we the type of church that will pour into the next generation? To someone younger than we are? Are we the type of church that we have elders eager, willing, ready to serve, to give, 
to poor. Victoria and I, we're firm believers in, in this method of church. What we believe is the church should always be pouring. And what that means is as, as adults, we should be pouring into young adults. As young adults, we should be pouring into youth. As youth, we should be pouring into kids. Everyone should be pouring. But what happens if someone stops pouring? What happens if someone decides they want to pour the other way? What happens to the church? What, what kind of church are we? Are we the church that is continually pouring? Or have we decided to stop? And it's something that I had to really think about in my own life. Am I continually pouring? So there's three things today that I want to remind us of that'll keep us pouring forever. First thing is this. God uses the young. Obviously, I am biased. Um, I'm a youth pastor. I love young people. Um, they're fun. They're energetic. They're crazy. They break into your house. Um, it just keeps life interesting. Young people have dreams. They have goals. They have hope. They have faith. They have ambition, drive, desire, courage. They believe they can become monsters. <laughs> Young people can be used by God. Not saying that adults, that we don't have the same courage, the same drive, the same desire. But when you watch a young person, when you watch a child, a child honestly believes they will become an astronaut. I can't remember the last adult that I talked to that said, I will become an astronaut, and believed it. Children have this faith, this courage, that they don't care who knows it. I will become a monster. I will work at Walmart. I will climb into that ball pit. They have faith. They have courage to believe that they can do anything. God uses the young. The problem is many times in our society, young people are written off simply because of their age. They're written off because they don't have experience. They're written off because they haven't lived long enough. And they're written off because they just can't comprehend the complexities of life. What I began to think was, what if they just have a better handle on things than we realize? Because, because as a child, as a young person, you believe you're invincible. You believe you can run through that brick wall. May not always happen. But you believe it. You have the faith to back it up. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to sit in in a kid's church service before, but watching little three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-olds grasp the concept of worship if that doesn't energize you and get you excited, 
I don't know if you've ever had the ability to go to a youth camp, to sit in on a youth service, but to watch a young student fall to their knees, crying, weeping, sitting in the presence of God is unlike anything I've ever experienced. To watch hundreds of students come together at a place and say, I don't care what the person to my left and my right is doing. I just care what the guy above me is doing. That's where my focus is because I know that if I can get right with him, I can do anything. God uses young people. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 12, Paul is speaking to Timothy in this letter, and he says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for, for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Young people, let me talk to you for a second, and I know there's more out here. But as young people, you are to set the standard. You are to set the example. Just because you're young doesn't mean you aren't held to a high standard. Just because you're young doesn't mean you aren't capable of great things now. If you will just hold yourself to that standard, hold yourself to that speech, be an example. That's what you're called to do. Because God will use that. God will honor that, and God will bless that. God uses young people. Mark 10, 13 through 16 says this. They brought little children to Jesus that he might put his hands on them. The followers spoke sharp words. Underline that circle that, remember that. The followers spoke sharp words to those who brought them. Jesus saw this and was angry with the followers. He said, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. The holy nation of God is made up of ones like these. For sure, I tell you, whoever does not receive the holy nation of God as a little child does not go into it. He took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them. He prayed that good would come to them. Are we a church that believes God will use the young? Are we ushering the young into a time, into a presence with God? When we see that young person who looks a little rough on the outside, who just looks a little standoffish, that young person who just decides, you can't tell me what to do, that young person who we can tell believes differently than we do. Are we the type of church that would openly open our arms to them or write them off just by appearance? Are we the type of church that would take time out of our day to go out of our normal schedule to pour into young people? It's something that comes naturally and easy for me because it's my calling in life. It's what I love to do. I love hanging out with students. We could be playing Monopoly. We could be watching a movie. We could be sitting talking. 
Sometimes I just call them to say, hey, listen, I've locked my keys in my house again. I need you to break into my house for me. I love young people. And what I love about it is when they have that moment of, I get it. I get it. When they have that moment that they connect with God and they fully grasp who God is, what God can do, and what God can do through them, that's what I love. Because the moment they catch that, all of a sudden that childlike faith grows back up and it's a, I can do anything with God. I can do anything with God. Are we the type of church that will go out of our way to pray over that young person who just bugs you? That young person who's just overly cocky about himself? Or are we the type of church that God gets angry with because of our sharp words. I've been guilty of this many times where I've seen someone and I just go, ugh, yuck. Where I pass by someone and go, oh man, we should leave. Missing the opportunity to pour. What kind of church are we? When young people are given the chance and we support them to dream, to conquer, to live. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Take King Josiah, for instance. If you don't know who King Josiah is, he was the king of Judah. If you look back in 2 Kings 22, you can kind of read up on him. But Josiah became king at the age of eight. Eight years old, running a country. How easy would it be to just say, eight years old, I'm moving to Canada? At the age of eight, running a country. The crazy thing is, by the age of 16, he completely reformed a nation and brought it back to God. By the age of 16. I believe he had people around him building him up, encouraging him, telling him he can do it, giving him godly advice, giving him wisdom, pouring into him. But if the people would have said, this isn't going to go well, we're out of here, his story could have been a lot different. Think about David, a little shepherd boy, killed a giant in his teens and became the man known as a man after God's own heart. And all of that started as a teen. How different would it have been if no one believed in him? I think of people like Joshua, like Daniel, Timothy, Joseph, Jeremiah. The majority of Jesus' 12 disciples. I know they're always depicted with you know beards and a bald head and they're just these old wise men. In reality, the most of them were in their teens. Young people, 15, 16, 17. The very people Jesus decided to pick and choose and say, come follow me, let's change the world. Teenagers. 
Are we pouring into young people? Because if we're not pouring, eventually those young people will grow up. And if they haven't been poured into, how are they supposed to pour back into the next generation? How are they supposed to rise up and be the leaders of the church? How are they supposed to make a difference if no one took the time to pour into them? Second point is this. God uses the old-er. I don't want to offend anybody. God uses the older. What makes it so easy for young people to witness, to dream, to have faith, is that they're young. They're young. They haven't faced as many defeats in their life. They haven't faced as many trials in their life. They haven't had to deal with the bills and the finances and the relationships and the marriage and the whiny kids because sometimes they are the whiny kids. They're able to accomplish and dream big and do all this because they're young. So why should we stop them? Why should we stop them from dreaming? God uses the older. If you've been around for any number of years, you will have faced the ups, the downs, the loop-de-loops, the straight drops. If you've been around long enough, especially if you've been a Christian long enough, you will have gone through the seasons. You will have seen the hills and the valleys. Because you've experienced life. And at some point through this journey, as this is happening, dreams begin to fade. Faith begins to fade. Hope begins to fade. That doesn't have to be the case. Just because you've faced trial after trial after trial after trial in your life doesn't mean if you fight it one more time, there won't finally be victory. Just because you've been praying for years and years and years and years for this miracle to happen doesn't mean the miracle's not just right around the corner. I know life is hard. I've only lived 23 years of it. Bills pile up. Relationships strain. Your knees make that weird noise. You go to stand up and everything just cracks. You want to go to bed at 5. You're 23 and you feel like you're 63. No offense if you're 63. But just because, just because our bodies are getting older doesn't mean our light has to dim with it. 
Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 3. Don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes. And the rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs. The guards of your house start to tremble. Before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the window see dimly. Remember him. Remember when you were younger. Remember that dream. Remember that aspiration. Remember that hope. Remember that desire. Remember when God moved through you. Remember the miracles that you saw. Remember the youth camps that you went to, the youth services that you went to. Remember feeling invincible on top of the world. Who's to say you can't feel like that just because your body is growing older? Who's to say that that dream, that desire has to stop? The hardest part about getting older is the simple fact that our body begins to stop. The eyes, the shoulders, the teeth, the legs. Things begin to stop working as they should. But that doesn't mean your faith has to stop. That doesn't mean your hope has to stop. That doesn't mean your love has to stop. Because yes, our bodies begin to grow old. They begin to stop working. But the great thing is, we're not keeping these forever. What we do keep forever is the faith, the hope, the love that God gives us. And if we stop using it just like our body stops working, what do we have left? One day, hallelujah, I'm going to get a new body. All the Oreos and chips that I've put into this one. I need a new one. Just because the body stops working doesn't mean your dreams have to die with it. God uses the older. Look at Paul, author of the majority of the New Testament. Paul. He saw a lot of trials in his life. Prison after prison. Chased from town to town. Still writing the majority of the New Testament. All while doing ministry in his late 60s. Being imprisoned after prison after prison in his 60s still had a heart that said, God, I want to do your work. I'm not done yet because you're not done with me. People like Moses, the man who led God's people out of slavery. When, when this happened, when this revolutionary thing happened and Moses led the people out of Egypt, he was in his 80s his 80s, leading a nation 
out of slavery. It was estimated that by the time they were leaving the wilderness, about to finally come into the promised land, it's estimated that the people numbered to about 2.5 million. Moses was leading 2.5 million people. God uses the older. Why? Because you have wisdom. You have life. You've had experiences. Those are the things that you can pour into the next generation. Those are the things that you can pour into people who are just younger than you, who haven't experienced these things yet. What I love to do most is I love to talk to my dad and my granddad, who have been in ministry 30-plus years. I love sitting and just talking to them, especially my granddad. He's got story after story that I'm just like, I don't even know if that's true, but it's awesome. Like, just tell me another one. He'll tell you this story, and I, and I love talking to him because without even realizing it, I'll start to mimic his facial expressions as he's talking. And, and when he gets to this point that he really likes, he knows he's got you right there in his story, he'll just give you this look. And I catch myself going, hmm, I like that. I love listening to my granddad and my dad. Me and my dad, we'll talk about sports, life, the weather, how he's burning and I'm freezing. We talk about everything. And I love talking to them because no matter what we're talking about, somehow they always end up pouring into me. Ever since I was a young, young kid, they'd pour into me. We would be talking about the dinner mom made, and somehow they would turn that into some lesson and pour into me. And I'd leave going, I just, I wanted another enchilada. How did that happen? I mean, that was good. I'm going to write that down, but wow. You just preached through an enchilada. Constantly pouring into me. And we differ on a lot of things. My granddad loves golf. I love napping through golf. Of course, he does too now. <laughs> My dad, uh, he would watch NASCAR on Sundays. That was the day that he had the TV. We would go to church, come home, and we just knew, don't ask for the TV, don't touch the TV. It's dad's day to have the TV. And we knew football would be on for a little bit. But there'd be a moment where the pill would come out, stretch across the couch, and then you'd hear it. And then you'd hear He watched NASCAR. I can't watch people drive in a circle. I don't have the attention span. They go two laps and I'm going, when are they gonna turn the other way? Please. We're different in a lot of things. My granddad, he loves hymnals. I don't know a lot of hymnals. There's some good ones that I really, really love. But there's some that I'm going, oh, I've never heard that. I love rap music. My father does not. 
They heard people like the Gaithers. I've never heard them. I know, I know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Catch me after service. We're going to listen to some Gaithers. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a moment. We, we differ in a lot of things. Change has happened over the years, over the centuries. Society's changed, culture's changed. Our likes change, our preferences change. That's been the stake that has been driven between the ages, is change. But if we allow a difference in preference to keep us from pouring, just because my granddad likes things that I don't like or my dad likes things that I don't like did not stop them from pouring into me. Yes, they would make the joke of, how do you understand that rap music? He's just speaking in tongues or something. What is that? See, sometimes I don't understand it. I like the beat. That didn't stop them from pouring into me. And if they wouldn't have poured into me over my entire life, I probably wouldn't be standing here today. My story would be a lot different if they didn't take the time to pour into me. My youth pastors growing up, if they didn't take the time to invest in me, even when I was jacked up, and say, okay, I know you're the pastor's son, and I know you got a lot of problems, but I'm going to pour into you anyways. My youth leaders, some of my friends' parents were just going for a swim. And all of a sudden, you're talking about the Red Seas and parting it. And now we're trying to part the pool, and it's not working, but you poured into us. You instilled biblical truth. You simply spoke life over us. That no matter if our hair was pink or purple, no matter how tight our jeans were, that God could still use us even though we're young. And I found out later in life, without even realizing it, I poured into them. At my young age, somehow I still poured into them. And it was as simple as just saying, Dad, thank you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for what you've done for me. Looking at my granddad and saying, thank you for setting the bar so high. <laughs> thank you for being that example. Thank you for running this race for so long and never stopping. That poured into them because that showed them I'm watching. So I need to keep fighting. I need to keep going. I need to keep running. I need to keep dreaming. I need to keep having faith. Because God uses the older. And the third thing, my final point is this. God is still the same God. No matter how young you are or how old you are, God never changes. 
Since the beginning of time till now, he has been the same. It doesn't matter if you're six or 60. God still wants to move. God still wants to empower. God still wants to save. Isaiah 63, 3-4 says this, Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I cared, carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. I made you, and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. Whether you like rap music, hate rap music, whether you like the worship style of young people today, or you just like a good hymnal, that doesn't matter. It does not matter because no matter what, God is still going to be God, and God will always be God, and God will still be the God who will save no matter if you're singing the hymnal or you're singing the worship music. God's still going to be the same God whether you have a toupee on your head or skinny jeans on your legs. God's still the same God. God will love in the same way. He will care for in the same way. He will save in the same way through his son. God is still the same God. If we're not careful, we miss the opportunity to pour. We miss the opportunity to invest. We miss the opportunity to do what God has commanded us to do. What kind of church are we? Are we the church that will take the time to pour? Are we the church that will say, you know what, this, this isn't how I normally do things. This isn't how we've done things. But I know God has called me to pour, so I'm going to pour. This isn't how we've done it. We've done it this way for so long. I've done it this way for so long. This has been my schedule. This is how I do things. And even as young people, we get into that mindset of, well, this is my schedule. This is, this is how I have my day mapped out. And if you keep to that, you miss the opportunity that God wants to do in you by not letting him move. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like this. This penny represents the schedule, the way you like it, the hymnals, the raps. This, this is everything that this is how I want it. This is how I need it. This is how it's been. This is my schedule. This is how I do things. And, and we take this and we say, this is how it should be. This is how it should be. Let's bring back the pews. No, let's get movie theater chairs. This is how it should be. We all have our preferences and how we want it, how we like it. And if we're so busy holding on to this, 
We could miss something. Scott, come here. We could miss something. What happens is God is up in heaven, and bear with me. God, this is going to be scary. I know, I know. God, God is sitting up in heaven, and, and he's, got, he's got all this blessing. He's got all this stuff he wants to do. All this stuff that's, that's, he's sitting there going, okay, okay, if this, if you will just, come on, bear with me, come on, just try, just do, just pour. And if we don't, if we sit there holding on to, this is how I've always done, this is how I like it, this is how it should be. We sit there and we hold on to that. And this is all that we're going to get. And when that happens, what happens is God's in heaven and he tries to pour into you. But nothing stays. All you're left with is that penny. When you're young and you think you know everything, all you're left with is that penny. When you're older and you've said, no, this is how it's been forever, all you're going to be left with are memories. Are we the kind of church that's walking around fist closed, missing what God's wanting to do? Or are we walking around hands open, ready, saying, God, pour into me so then I can pour into the next? Pour into me so I can then pour into someone else. God, I'm not going to walk around fist closed hoping that this will just always be how it's going to be. I need to walk around ready for you to pour into me, ready for change, ready for what you want to do. So that way I can then pour it back into someone else. If the team would come back up, please. We have to be careful. We have to be careful not to be that church walking around fist closed. When we're out in our city, when we're out grocery shopping, well, I always park in that spot. That's my spot. When we come to church, I've sat there for so many years. We're going to fight. How dare they? Something I've told our students while we're in worship, that we'll come to the altar, and I've noticed that even our students, when, when they have that moment and they want to spend time with God, they will go to the same spot in the room. And I told them last week, do not go to that spot. You need to find a new spot. And it's going to surprise you that even though you go to that spot, the moment you go to that new spot, God's going to be there too. And he's going to do the same thing that he did in your old spot. If you just open up. I want to end this service a little differently today. Please, I hope, I hope, I hope I didn't offend anyone by talking about ages, numbers. I want you to understand that no matter what your age is, you have to be willing to open up your hands. You have to be willing to let God be God. You can't get stuck in your schedule. You can't get stuck in how things have been. You have to let God move. So that way you can pour. You've been listening to a sermon from Louisville First Assembly. For more information, 
visit www.firstagonline.com. That's www.firstagonline.com.